Hello, everyone. My name is Matt J.F. I am a recovered compulsive overeater, uh, gratefully recovered for today, living in Northern Virginia. Um, I'm really happy to be asked to speak on this meeting tonight. Uh, I do qualify as a 100-pounder. I uh, My top weight was 380 pounds in 2003. Uh, I had ruin gastric bypass surgery and uh, lost about, maintained about 110-pound weight loss until I came into this program in 2019. And my current weight is around 230, 235 pounds. Um, I just figured I would share what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now, uh, and hope that my words will be helpful to someone on the on the line tonight. Um, so, what it was like. Uh, so, just for context, um, I'm five foot eight, so 380 pounds was a lot. Uh, I'm 52 years old. Um, and uh, I have been overweight for my entire life, uh, probably clinically morbidly, but grossly morbidly obese for my entire adult life. Um, what that was like uh, until I came into this program, even after I lost, you know, 110-ish pounds, um, was not great. Um, you know, I, I, I suffered all the slings and arrows of teasing and low self-esteem that came along with, you know, being much fatter than almost all the other kids growing up. Um, the well-intentioned, but ultimately not very helpful, um, desire of my family members, my closest family members, that I would not be so fat. Um, and I know that that came out of love and care now. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and I knew it then too, but that didn't make it any easier to bear knowing that on some level, I was letting all the people I loved down every time I couldn't stop eating something. And I was encouraged my whole life, by, again, by everyone who cared about me to try a bunch of different things to try and lose that weight. Um, you know, pay, the, the most common pay and weigh, including the summer camp version of that pay and weigh when I was a kid. Uh, I did that pay and weigh again as an adult. I did cognitive behavioral therapy at the University of Pennsylvania and FenFen uh, back when that was a prescribed treatment. And therapy and therapy and therapy and, um, you know, various and sundry diets of the moment. And, you know, some things worked a little bit until they didn't, and then they stopped. And um, and that felt pretty terrible uh, most of the time because, you know, I, I, I felt like I was a pretty smart person. Uh, good at solving problems, good at math. And um, this, uh, on the face of it, seemed like a very simple, straightforward problem. Like, 
I can remember to do lots of things every day. Why can't I remember you know, more than once a day? Why can't I remember to just consume fewer calories than I burn? Why can't I seem to form new habits like exercising? Why can't I seem to keep myself from eating foods that I know are slowly killing me? And um, I just thought that my inability to do any of that indicated that I was um, unworthy, uh, that, I, that I was in some way, but I wasn't just flawed, but that my flaw indicated that I didn't have a lot of value as a human being. And, um, and that kind of just took hold and metastasized really deep inside. And that was sort of the undercurrent that I carried into um, most of my life. Now, it wasn't at a conscious level. Um, you know, at a conscious level, you know, what it was like on the surface was pretty good. I thought most of the time I was reasonably successful professionally, you know, eventually, uh, you know, met a girl, got married, had a daughter, um, you know, lived a bunch of places, worked for some big companies, you know, moved overseas for a few years. Um, it had, had a great life in many respects, but didn't enjoy it uh, for the most part. And 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 even in the moments when I knew that my life was good, there was still this like, ha, 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 underneath, which was, you know, but remember, you can barely fit into that shirt. But remember, you can't find pants that fit. But remember, you get out of breath when you walk up four stairs. Not four flights, four stairs. And um, and so that wasn't awesome. Um, but it was just what it was, right? So what happened was, um, I tried Overeaters Anonymous, by the way, uh, as a kid. I have a vague recollection of like a church basement and a bunch of women and like a gray sheet. Um, I obviously didn't stick. Um, and so when I came into program in 2019, um, I had I had some well-formed opinions about 12-step programs because I had people in my life who were in AA and recovered. And um, and I so I like I was I believed in AA and thought that 12-step programs were a great thing for alcoholics. I did not believe in OA, not for me anyway. And the reason was, and these are things I had said out loud, that I thought that OA for me was BS, except I said the actual bad version of that. And, um, and the, the reason I gave was because I'm not one of those people. You know, I am not powerless over food and my life is not unmanageable said the guy who had gastric bypass surgery. So um, what wound up happening was that um, with no plan or intent and for reasons having nothing to do with um, thinking that I had anything to recover from, I I had a, a desire, an assignment basically for work to listen to a big book step study on YouTube. and. Um, and like just that, a big book step study for AA, like that was what was in my head. 
Um, and so there was a day in, in February of 2019 when I uh, had a chunk of time and thought, oh, this is a great time to knock that off my list. And uh, it, was, it was a long drive. And so I went to YouTube and I searched big book step study. But YouTube is owned by Google, which is a service that I have always used for everything ever since it first came out. And so Google knows me pretty well. And right in the very first search result spot, not an ad, but the first search result was um, a very helpful link to an Overeaters Anonymous big book step study, which you will note was not at all what I had asked for. Um, and I was pretty mad. I was, I was, I knew exactly what had happened. I work in digital marketing. Google was being helpful based on what it knows about me. But, you know, I wasn't flattered by that. I was annoyed by it. It was, it was sort of offensive. Um, but, you know, for, out of spite almost, I just decided I would listen to that stupid thing anyway. Um, and I was sure, like, it's not going to make any sense to me, but, you know, whatever. So I listened to it, and 20 minutes in, um, or so. Uh, Laurie C. is the name of the guy who uh, whose step study it is. It's still on YouTube. It's, free. it's great step study. I think there are like nine videos. Um, and his name is spelled L-A-W-R-I-E. But if you search for OA Big Book Step Study, it will surely be the first search result for you as it was for me. Um, he was qualifying, and I thought, like, the I did not identify with this qualification at all. In fact, I was feeling pretty nauseated by it. It was I thought it was gross what he was talking about. And I was pretty close to turning it off because I was driving a rental car and I didn't want to puke in the rental car. And then he said, for me, there are some foods that once I start, I can't stop and I can't stop from starting. And I was sunk because that, like, I, I, I just couldn't, I mean, you can't see me, but I have brown eyes. If I was standing in front of you, looking into your eyes, and said, insisted that my eyes are blue, you would think I was insane. And I would be. For me to deny to anyone who had spent any significant time with me, that it was simply not true that for me there are some foods that once I start I can't stop and I can't stop from starting, would be just as crazy as if I insisted that I had blue eyes. Anyone who had ever lived with me, spent a lot of time with me, knew that there was a there was a sugary, caffeiny, dark-colored, fizzy beverage that I couldn't quit, despite trying dozens of times. I could not stay quit, and I drank a ton of it, maybe probably more than literally in my life never done the math, but I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's way more than a ton. And uh, there was just so much observable, you know, non-circumstantial evidence that it was true that for me that there are some foods that once I start, I can't stop and I can't stop from starting, that I just realized I, I had not understood what it meant to be a compulsive overeater, but if that was the definition, then I was qualified. And so that was the start of my journey into this program. Um, and, you know, I'll tell you, uh, on the front end of that, if you had told me that someday I would, I would all of a sudden find myself taking step one, admitting that I was powerless over food, 
and that my life was made unmanageable by that. And to me, unmanageable just means I can't, it's not like I can't manage the details of my life. It's like it manage in the sense of navigating. I couldn't navigate my life effectively. Uh, on the front end, if you told me that I would do that one day, I would have dreaded that moment and thought that it would surely be the worst moment of my life, like the darkest, most horrible moment. But that was not my experience. My experience was it was an enormous relief. It was it was the lifting of this burden of my personal failing and re- replacing it with just an acknowledgement that I have a condition that I did not choose to have. Who choose to have this? I mean, you'd be nuts. No human created the condition that I suffer from consciously, intentionally. I just, I was just born with it the same way as I was born with brown eyes. And so that was step one. But it, for me, that led sort of very naturally to step two, which is, well, if I if no human power created this condition, then how's any human power ever gonna fix it? So I guess if I'm truly powerless, which I I was by that definition of, you know, once I start, can't stop, can't stop from starting, if that's what powerless is, and I'm powerless, then I think there are only two possibilities. Either I am never going to recover from this thing because there is no source of power that will enable me to do so or there is, and I can. And I just decided to try and find out if there was by working the steps. And so then step three was just really, you know, acknowledging, and by the way, I came in an agnostic. If you're agnostic, if you're atheist, and you're thinking, this is religion to God, you know, God and prayer, and like, oh, please, I don't want to, that's for small-minded people who believe in religion. I don't have any religion None. I grew up with no religion. I have no religion. The God of my recovery is not a deity. It is simply a source of power sufficient and sufficiently reliable to enable me to remain abstinent and live recovered when my own power will not. That's it. I mean, I have a conception of... I think someone's unmuted. I have a conception of a higher power, which is taken directly from the big book, and it's that God is everything, literally. But, like, my conception of my higher power doesn't matter. It's just that I trusted that there was some, there was going to be some source of power, and I didn't worry about it. And I did not have that conception when I started. Thank you. Um, So if you're new, or you're not new, but you're struggling with the whole God thing, all I can tell you is maybe don't worry about it. Maybe just trust that there's only two possibilities. There is either a source of power sufficient and sufficiently reliable to to enable you to remain abstinent, work the steps and recover when your own self-will fails, or there's not. And the only way to find out is to give it a shot and not worry about it and trust that your conception will become as as clear and good as it needs to be when it needs to be. That's what I did. Um, so 
what it's like now uh, is just on average um, a lot better. Uh, a lot better than it was before. Uh, better on, it's not better every day than the one before. Um, you know, I still have my moments when, you know, I feel like crap when I, you know, that, that deep suspicion that I might actually be a worthless piece of crap creeps back in. And I don't even know it, right? It's not a conscious thought. It's not like I look at my life and I go, things aren't going well. I wonder if I'm actually a piece of crap. That's not what happens. It's just that all of a sudden I realize I fell back into that old pattern of thinking. And that is now instead of an opportunity to beat myself up for, for having the belief, remember that it's just not true. It is just objectively not true that I'm a worthless piece of crap. There's no evidence for that. My weight is not evidence of that. The fact that I have a condition, a physical allergy, and a mental twist that I was born with is not evidence of my worthlessness. It's just evidence that I have that condition. And so I worked the steps out of the big book with a recovered sponsor. It took me, once I started, about three months to do that. And I didn't worry about it being perfect. I mean, I'm sure I did, but in hindsight, like, I must not have because it truly would have taken me longer than three months because it was just like it had to be good enough. Yeah, you know, There's someone I, I, I know in the program who I've often heard say when it comes to the four-step inventory, which is the thing that freaks a lot of people out their first time through, God's not hanging your inventory on his refrigerator. It doesn't need to be perfect. It just needs to be good enough to get you through to the next step. And my program is not perfect. Um, you know, and my program has evolved. When I say my program, I mean like the, the footwork, the things that I do every day has evolved over time. Even my abstinence has evolved over time. Because I've evolved over time. I've gotten older, life changes, circumstances change, conditions change, and I have changed as a result of working the steps. This is a program of action that results in a spiritual awakening. But more than that, I've come to think of it as it is a program of continuous action that when worked results in, a, in an ongoing process of increased wakefulness. My perspective today is very different from what it was two years ago or even six months ago. My life is very different. The way that I work the steps, the way that that appears you know, that it shows up observably in my life is very different. But I'm no less recovered, and my spiritual awakening is ongoing. And I really hope that it will continue to be. So if you're new, or if you're struggling, or you're stuck, or you're relapsed, or you're wondering, um, the, the best thing that I can tell you to do is um, don't worry about it. Take a leap of faith. You know, I used to think of, of acceptance and surrender as being like kind of on a, on a spectrum, that like surrender was a more evolved version of acceptance. And I don't think that's, that's true for me. Acceptance is like almost always granted grudgingly for me. Surrender doesn't require acceptance. 
acceptance. It just requires doing the thing that I know needs to be done if I want to recover, whether or not I want to do it. Willing, the evidence of willingness is not wanting. The evidence of willingness is I did the thing that I didn't want to do. I don't have to be willing to do things that I enjoy. Gentle reminder, 20 minutes. Thank you. You know, I, I, I often refer to, I'll wrap up in just about a minute, I often refer to this program lovingly as this stupid program. Because it's like living this way is the absolute worst except for every other way that I've ever tried. It is so much better than every other way. And and for me, just for today, that's more than good enough. But I have to do things all the time that I find really annoying. Talk to people on the phone who I don't know, listen to their stories and their 10 steps, give a 10 step, talk to someone about what I'm feeling. It's so annoying. But it makes me better. It makes me feel better. It, it continues that process of ongoing spiritual awakening. And as annoying as that often is, it is well, well worth it. So with that, I will pass, and I appreciate the opportunity to have spoken tonight. I'll share my contact information. Um, again, I'm Matt J.F., as in Join Fellowship. My phone number is 310-873-8619, 310-873-8619. I would ask that you text before calling if you're able. If you call, there's a very good chance it will not ring for me. And if you leave a voicemail, there's a very good chance I won't know that I have one for days. Um, so texting first is a much more reliable way to reach me. And although my number for some people will recognize it's it's an LA, it's a Los Angeles number. I do not live in Pacific time. I live in Eastern time in Virginia. So please bear that in mind. Thank you very much.